0: Everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny.
1: You're very welcome along. It's uh, Season 7, Episode 18 of LOI Central. No Dan this week, um, so you can tune out now if that uh, turns you off for the rest of the episode. We're just going to have to make do uh, with Tim Clancy and... Possibly our first ever Premier League player in the podcast in Luke McNally. Um, We'll have to think about that. But uh, yeah, we are in association with Future Ticketing, Collar and Cuff. No mailbag this week, Decky, because it's kind of Dan's baby. And uh, he is tied up with other uh, stuff this week. And obviously we're in association with Rascals uh, Brewery in Inchicore. Get over there for some fine beers in this hot weather. Um, Tim Clancy and Luke McNally, what a duo. I remember the last time I saw you together on the pitch was a playoff game, what, three and a half years ago, Tim? What we'll would that be? be? Now, four years ago, maybe, yeah. Your paths have gone slightly different since. You're looking for work, and you're in the Premier League.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, <Giannis. laughs> yeah. you still stay in touch, anyway. Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah, still stay in touch. That's a good thing, I guess. Still have a good relationship, so there's uh, the advice here now. I was on
1: to uh, Kev Doherty yesterday, actually, fresh from their win over... Um, Pats at the weekend, and he was saying, and "I put this to you, Tim, that the man besides is unlucky not to have gotten an Ireland call up." Yeah, I'd imagine he's going to be on the radar for Stephen. Um,
2: Luke's been playing for Coventry in the last uh, six months in the, in the back three, and obviously that's how we've played senior international. And um, I'm sure he's, he's, he's on the radar. And I'd say it'll be if rather than when he, get, or sorry, when rather than if he gets a cap.
1: We've oh, loads get through today, but did are you surprised at how it's gone for him in England? No, not at all. Um,
2: I think it was after maybe one or two games in the first division. I remember seven Kevin talk and saying that he's got a right chance. Um, and again, as the season progressed, that was his first bit of it, uh, senior football. So um, he improved and got better and better. And obviously going to Patsy, done very well. And, and then at Oxford, he's improved and done well. And then Coventry, when he stepped in, he's done well. So I think um, there's still loads of improvement for Luke. And I, I'm sure if he gets an opportunity next season... Um, at whatever club or whatever level it's in the Premier League or Burnley he'll, uh,
1: he'll, he'll take it as well What can he improve on?
2: Uh, Listen <laughs> it's not what he can improve on he's uh, <laughs> he's done very very well and um, I was over and I watched the playoff final against um, Luton and I thought that of the of the back three uh, he was the most dominant one that he had and he dealt with the physical presence of Morris and um, the other big boy as well up top so um, Luke's obviously physically very very good um, athletically very good as well and um, the higher level you actually go up to play the, the less football you have to play because you'll have um, better footballers in front of you and, and I think Luke will will adapt to that
1: I remember you saying I think it was uh, did you play Sean McGrovers in a cup game and he outpaced Aaron Green and he was very young at the time and you were just saying this lad has something I'm telling you
2: yeah Greener was very very quick and um, I think we lost that game 4-0 I think it was but um, up until we were in the first division and until about 55-60 minutes, it was nil nil in the game. And Luke was the one in, in our team that you could say. I remember sitting afterwards, um, saying that he could play for Shamrock Rovers. He's probably the only one in on our team that could actually go in the week after and play for them and be be totally fine. So, um, but yeah, that's the 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 pace and the physical attributes that Luke had, and obviously now with the um, completely different level of um, training and facilities and um, support network that he's at now with the, at Burnley, a huge club. It's it's only going to keep improving.
1: Thanks to both of you for coming in. Um, it's been um, a kind of a mad season in the League of Ireland already so far. But can you go back to your days at drawdown? What would, what do you remember of um, first meeting
0: up with Tim and Kev? Yeah, I was just really excited. Uh, we met up and he came down to Anfield and we were having a cup of tea and, in the hotel there and just... Yeah, he just. I think he, I don't know, Tim was probably more taken to a gamble, I suppose at that time he wouldn't have seen me, I suppose, much at Pats and then um, thankfully he gave me a chance and luckily he believed in me and uh, yeah, just, just heading to Jordan and, and thankfully it went well then. It was a great experience playing in front of the crowds because obviously he was in the 19's league uh, with Pats and then going into playing in front of the crowds and it was all so exciting, so I loved every minute of it really. Your development isn't
1: necessarily straightforward, and that you haven't had massive underage for Ireland sort of um, progress so far. I think a lot of people would argue that you should be close to the squad at the moment. But how did that work for you? Because you look, you look like, I guess, from where you're from, you look like you could have ended up playing Gaelic football. Yeah, I, think I, think I think
0: <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, 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 I probably could have. But I, was, I guess, my dad coached the football team in my town, and my uncle was the guy coach actually in Enfield, so. It was kind of funny. We, uh, I was more dragged to the to the football than the Gaelic, but I, I enjoyed both. I used to play a game on a Saturday um, for the football and then play the Gaelic on the Saturday evening. So I played both all the way, but just fell into football. Um, the NECSL league started and, and just got into that, and it took off then. So was um, it was it kind of growth sports which you were always told? No, I was actually a small kid in school, and then I just I just started to grow. But it's more probably more mentally. I just started to believe myself a bit more. Um, probably when I was younger, I didn't think I could go to Dublin and probably play all well. them, thinking they were better, you know. So that was probably a, a bigger factor than any growing or or skill level. I think. I think I always had a bit of ability, but um, as I, I as I grew older, I just grew a bit more confidence to to match bit, whoever. Uh, yeah, well, with whoever. Yeah, on part was your dad, so oh, massive, uh, and even my mum. I used to I used to drive from Enfield up to Dundalk to do the the emerging talent program, and that was an hour and a half. So uh, I think that's a, a big factor in kids. Like if, if you want to go and do well, your parents, ha- you have to have someone, even if it's not your parents, a granddad or someone to kind of drag you there when you don't want to nearly, because there's plenty of times I wouldn't want to have gone to Dundalk after school and go up and train. So you have to have someone like that. And and to be fair, my parents were always driving me to do whatever whatever I wanted and and always like told me to pursue whatever whatever I needed, you know. I remember, Tim, I think it was when it was Satanta, it's, it did
1: a documentary on the, I think it was Home Farm, and the parents, the parents always struck me, and some of the parents did very little, some of the parents were, I remember one mother telling the coach, you know, you've got to play him on the wing, not right back, and all that. How important is that? I, I, I saw Dan had a piece with uh, uh, Collins and Ferguson, with Collins about being the son of a footballer, and Erling Holland's the son of a footballer. How important is it that you four young kids, like how important is that in your head as to what they want to do?
2: I think it's probably a little bit different now, um, some parents think that football is a career path and it's a choice you go into, um, I think that's very dangerous, it's still a sport where there's a lot of opportunities that can arise but it's the percentage of people that actually go and play professional football um, inside the country small but even then to go to the UK or whatever else it's even, I'm a new fraction of that as well so I think there's, there's a lot of parents that see that as a as a career path for the child, rather than a, probably a small opportunity. Um, I think that can influence um, kids then as well if 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 they are too on top of that and pushing them and trying to create the probably live the live live, live their own dream through the child is a is a difficult one. Um,
1: is that what a lot of them do? Do you think?
2: I think yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think it's. Uh, they probably put a lot of pressure on the child. Um, I think when, when I was younger, it was always like it was a dream rather than a, a realistic chance to actually happen like so. And then when, when something does happen and it progresses, it's it's probably, you're right, right, this is an opportunity for me. But I think there's a lot of kids out there now from 10, maybe 11, 12 years of age that actually think I'm definitely going to be a footballer. And then when it gets to 16, 17, 18 and it doesn't work, you're, you're left with a lot of... Um, broken broken children more or less going into adulthood with very little probably hope because they've realised that it's uh it's not just uh straightforward. Well,
1: what point did you realise this this is I actually could be good enough to give this a shot? I don't think
2: I ever did <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, still don't.
2: <laughs> no, I don't I think it's flagged my way through it um no, not really. I didn't I didn't uh at, at any stage really did you think that was definitely gonna happen. Um I can remember funny enough, I was, back in the day, <coughs> Paddy Hilliard was the um, Irish in the 14s manager, and I was in the Irish in the 14 squad, and I couldn't get into the NEC squad, I was left out of the NEC, the local league squad, so, um, yeah, and then I, I went to uh, I done what Luke didn't do, and I went to Dublin to Belvedere, and I played at Belvo for four or five years, and even in that period of time, there's players at Belvo going on trials every school, um, holiday and that, and I never really went away, I went to a few clubs, but that was it. And then at 18, I went over to Millwall and I just happened to get a contract and I sort of bounced one year to the next year to the next year. And then 13 years later, I was, I was coming back home.
1: Who was at Bellwall at that time then?
2: I would have played with Detzer. Um myself and Detsa would have been on that team. and um, I'm trying to think, Barry Cogan is a lad from Sligo who ended up playing for at Millwall with Barry and he played in the FA Cup final. Stephen Elliott. Um was at Belvo, and then he went to City when he was I think he was fifteen or sixteen. So there was a few few players there, Buzzer Rowe, um, Morgan Cranley the goalkeeper. So there was a good few that um done quite well there. Um and then you're obviously looking at sleeves as being the main one that had an unbelievable career. And that third a brilliant career in the League of Ireland as well.
1: Did you feel then that you were sort of year to year as a sort of a journeyman footballer that you were even though you played at the SBL like?
2: Yeah I think so. Listen, I I'm not uh not the solution to think what I was and what I wasn't. I was very much a, just a solid, do a job for someone. Like I was never going to be a main man or um, a really important player for any team. And I could play probably three or four different positions. So, um, yeah, it very much was just listen, you'd bounce one year to the next year and just that was it, really.
1: Say if the League of Ireland underage hadn't come in, then where would you have ended up? Because you end up at the Pats Academy. And I know you've spoken about you think that it's been really important for. Irish football in general that Ruud Dotker brought that in but um, which I always think is kind of one of these things that wouldn't have happened if the FAI weren't so dysfunctional because it just couldn't have happened it was almost too complex for this to be just bulldozed through but anyway it was but if it hadn't been
0: would you have ended up then like at the likes of Belvoir Where do you think? I mm, don't know I uh, guess you'll never know but yeah I, I I only really signed for League of Ireland team with under 17s because the NEC manager moved there and he brought me there. So I don't think I would have actually ended up with one. Only for Warren Bulger brought me up to Drada as well. So, so explain that. So it was kind of circumstance. Yeah, a little bit. Like uh, I played for the NEC, the, the district league, and that manager moved on to uh, Drada's 17s. So he just, he brought five or six of us up there. And so, that was sort of my my chance, I guess. To, so you know, what would he
1: have been at that point then, Tim, if, if you're trying to think as a 16-year-old kid... Where is he going to go if there's no... Like, he's not necessarily dovetailed for this league, or professional career, Premier League career.
2: I don't know. It's just, obviously, whatever um, Luke would have been thinking about doing himself. It probably would have been... Would have got to a stage where, if, if nothing opened up, he would have played locally anyway, and probably played for Enfield's first team, or mm. senior team, as a as a very good 16- or 17-year-old. So, um, I think the, the structures that have been put in place with the League of Ireland from 13s up the way now is... It's a massive step, um, I think that has to be followed now with infrastructure around the country in regards to um, training centres and academies, and I know um, one manager in the league was saying that he'd he put all the money into um, training facilities rather than stadiums, because that's Jamie where you are most this. of the week, yeah. um, and again, I think, why not do both? Why can't you improve stadiums as well as um, training facilities, and... If, like, I don't know how it would work, but I'm sure if there's uh, government grants that come in, um, you could maybe tie two in where you could have the regional development centres being used in the evenings for um, development of the players around the country, but also used by maybe League of Ireland clubs during the mornings when um,
0: when they're not being used. How did you find the Underage National League then? Oh, I loved that. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and even the little opportunities you get to play in Daly Mountain, that, that actually meant a lot of the time. Um coming through at, at Rada and then at Pats just getting to play in the stadiums all the lads were getting a nice buzz off that and yeah the opportunities were there so I think without that yeah that, that was a massive step and you can see it now even with the lads coming through there's so many like so many 19, 20 year olds coming through in League of Ireland now That it's kind of never ending so whereas at the time when I was probably playing which isn't even that long ago there, was, there wasn't as many um, so yeah I think there's a massive development with, with having the underage leagues and you were good to bring young players through as well in the two clubs you were at so far.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to get the balance of um, having experienced players, but also giving younger players an opportunity. Um, I think they, they probably um, they come in young players and they want to prove a point and uh, they don't really overthink things and they don't get really nervous really because it's just a massive opportunity for them. And I think when you get that balance right and you can get some players through to into the first team and the right uh, experienced players around them I think it can be a good mix
1: and so you went back to Pat's then and when,
0: when the Oxford thing came up what who did you talk to in terms of is this a good move or not um, I guess my family um, I was always desperate sort of to to get an opportunity over there and see if I could if I could do it and um, yeah just talked to close people with me and um, and then came to a decision I I'd, I'd probably a couple of clubs at that time as well um, but I went with Oxford and thankfully that worked out. They were very accommodating, I went over during COVID and um had a bit of an injury with my hips and as well. So it was a tough start there. Probably struggled a lot actually in the first couple of months. But once preseason came around the following the following year I sort of got my opportunity. Um and it went well then from there already. Did it danger confidence the first couple of months? It didn't, it didn't. I mean, I was sitting in an empty flat during COVID and uh, I was about 20 minutes on the training ground and you couldn't share lifts then. It was it was difficult and difficult for any player, but definitely a player who's, it's hard enough moving away from home anyway, but um, moving during COVID was difficult and you couldn't even share a lift to train and there was all these rules about it. So that was tough, but I, I was determined enough not to let it beat me. And then and when pre-season came around, I was, I was ready to go then. Did you feel you did well at Pat's? Uh, no I'm I actually I'm disappointed probably in how I've done it Pat. Um, but obviously not bad enough to, to get a few offers from England so it couldn't have been that bad but I probably showed more potential when I was with with him at, at Drada um, that probably had a bit more to do with it but yeah can you relate to what he's saying there I think listen with Luke
2: um, he probably was a little bit frustrated when he over to Oxford first um, he a, had a problem a niggle with his hips he got sorted as well and what you're taking or not taking into account is that you played every minute of every game for two seasons previously. And then to go into a new club, into a new country, into COVID times where you're stuck in a flap by yourself and then you're not playing again. Um was probably a, a big, big uh, adaptation that you had to sort of deal with. Um and then obviously as soon as you got the pre season under your belt and started playing, you're even even at that with uh, Oxford you were always in for a few games, out for a few games mm-hmm. and then in for a few games, do really well, and then you'd be out for a few games, and then it was when you got a run at the end of the season. Then that the Burnley thing came along, so that's um, probably similar again. Uh, last season, which you obviously go to Burnley and then having a huge, huge uh, presence in regards to Vincent Company being your manager, and then them having the resources to go and get England the twenty one internationals in your position, and then you get your chance at Coventry again, and and, and you take it. So. Um, and then, going back to your time at Drottet and Pats, yeah, listen, I think probably Drottet, we were up top of the league flying um, in the first division, and then Pats were probably at a little bit of a different stage in the, in the time when Stevie was there for the first of the COVID season, so um, I suppose circumstances were different, and um, it's, it's, it's an experience, though, that probably done you, done you well going forward.
0: How did you find Stevie? Yeah, always got on well with Stevie, I guess, yeah. Um, I always loved his mentality really, he was just a born winner, um, so I, yeah, I enjoyed working under that, he was he was so desperate to win, um, and you could see he was frustrated probably that we weren't sort of doing it that season. It was a weird season in the way, we didn't know when it was starting, and then it was only 18 games in the end, so I was only saying to him in the car, We, I think on the last day we could have got Europe and we could have got relegated, I, I think, mm-hmm. on the last day, um, so it was a funny season, but you could see with his mentality he was uh, a winner and i guess that shares with with Tim as well they just they have that drive to win um that you don't always see so um that was one thing with stevie he just had such a drive and, and a will to win
1: what happened didn't
0: you you were done
1: so well at drada then the pats job came up which was like that was a mad mad time even looking out from afar you know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, the, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting it at all that Stevie would leave. I remember Dan was kind of doing stories on it, and I couldn't really believe what was happening. It was just after the cup final, obviously.
2: Yeah, and um, I was actually at the cup final as mm. well, um, and I was delighted for Stevie to win the win the cup final. Obviously, listen, Detzer was at Bowes, and if they had won, I'd be delighted for Detzer as well, but I'm good pals with Stevie and Padge as well, so um, it was brilliant, brilliant to see them win. And, that was the cup final you were behind me, was it? I think it was which oh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's randomly yeah, yeah yeah, sorry yeah there we um, go and it was just literally a day or two later then I think it was more or less I got a phone call saying the Pat's jobs available and couldn't couldn't believe it myself so um everything went very fairly, fairly quickly then and um, found myself in in a paths um under strange circumstances where they have just finished second and and won the cup and then the manager leaves and I think there was a lot of turnover in the players as well so um it was a situation where um I think there was a only Jamie Lennon and then I think it was Dara Burns Ben McCormick and James Abank were under contract who were still under 19 so there was only actually one first team player and Jamie Lennon under contract at the club and it was sort of right here you're in, in the deep end
1: that's a baptism of fire
2: yeah and listen we, we had to try and put a squad together for uh, last season and uh, considering it was late in the windows in December when I got the job as well and I think probably Bo Sligo and a few of the other clubs had a uh, Maybe you had three, four weeks to get players tied down. Um, and then that, then you were you were sort of chasing and you had a pool of players to pick from. It was quite small and, listen, we put a squad together and um, just we did all right.
1: What do you make of it, Luke? Because I know you were following us and the, it, was, it was a great job to get, but also one that was kind of complex because they'd finished second and they'd won the cup and they weren't going to win the league realistically in that season. So it was like you can't really improve on this necessarily, at least not straight away. I That would have been my feeling.
0: Yeah, it was a tough job, but I guess Tim will always back himself to, to go and do better, I guess. Um, but yeah, a difficult job. And, and if you look at previous to Stephen's um, season of Pats, there weren't many great years sort of, before that. Obviously, Stephen had an outstanding year, so um, yeah, difficult job. But I think, to be fair, I think he'd done a good job the following season under difficult circumstances. You know, Europe was,
1: I mean, you must have like kind of highlights and regrets looking back because there were some great moments and really... Things went against you in Tala, like... Yeah, listen, we had,
2: uh, I think... <coughs> sorry, getting uh, Moura. Um, I suppose in the second qualifying round, not a household name, but they were in the group stage and they beat Spurs the year before. Now, granted, they lost a few of their players from that squad, but they were good pedigree, like, and um, I think the home game, we we ended up beating them. Or sorry, drawing with them one all, and then out there, uh, we drew the game and went through on penalties, and it was, it was a massive... Uh, achievement to get through in, in that round and then obviously the next round you get CAK so uh, with Sofia and you go out there and you beat them 1-0 um, which is probably one of the best results that Pats have ever had in, in Europe in their history um,
1: As also a player that you brought in using his pace on the counter kind of to, to score a winning goal
2: Yeah Serge Serge obviously came in and didn't he'd known Serge from, from uh, his time in Finland so uh, I thought we were excellent in that game um, beat them one nil, and then obviously came to Tallinn we conceded from a set piece early, which was poor, and then um, we had a few chances after that ourselves. And then I think a late penalty that in the replay shows that it should have been a free out. man manhandle it first and then onto Brocky's arm, and we lose 2 0 and end up going out by one goal. And if you look at the the season that they've just had over in, in uh, Bulgaria, where they, they've pushed um, Ludogres the whole way in the mm. league, so they're obviously a very good team as well. And um, yeah, but it was. It was some good moments, and obviously the night out in Sofia when you when you win that game, it's it's
1: brilliant. What were, what were you thinking thought at the end of the season? What was your report card for your for how Pats had done in last season?
2: Um, well, listen, we qualified for Europe. Um, right, granted you needed the the leg up from Derry and in the, in the final to beat Shelburne, but like we spoke about, Stevie had an unbelievable season the year before, um, and he built that from I think it was ten or twelve games he had the season Harry left, and then he the. Uh, COVID season and then the, sort of the next season he, he ended up getting 62 points and finishing second in the league and we got 61 points last year which is what point off what Stevie had I got and um, we ended up finishing fourth in the league so um, points wise it's it was, it was a very very good return um, again we had uh, little time in, in the December January window to get lads in I think we brought in a few in the summer that uh, really helped us and I suppose then when you when you qualify for Europe again and I think the maybe the one thing I would say is the expectations of Pats is to try and challenge and win leagues and stuff. And is it? I think so, yeah. I think that's what people are expecting, maybe the fans and, and whatnot. And I think that... Is, is that within the club as well? Like as I'd in, say so, yeah. yeah. Um, some people in the club want to challenge and they want to win leagues and group stage of Europe and that. and It's a big ask. It's a big, big ask.
1: <laughs> to, is, it, is it a bit fanciful with how good Sean Rovers are for Pats to be at that level? Just yes.
2: Listen, what I think a lot of people laughed when Shamrock Rovers came out maybe six five, six years ago and said we've a five year plan and it was sort of everyone sort of turned their nose up at it and you're seeing it now. Um they put structures in place and um, their academy's been run the best in the country. Um the first team are been very, very successful now. It wasn't at the start. Stephen was getting a lot of criticism, um, maybe four five, six years ago. And then they believed in what they were doing. They 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 backed them, and now um, that's bearing fruits now because they're. I still think they're miles ahead of everyone else. I
1: I didn't feel that. I thought the fans were very supportive of you generally. You know, even I remember at the game last season against Derry when you were beat three or four nil, and I didn't think they were really getting your back. There seemed to be, and there was throughout your reign, the crowds held up really, really well. So, what was it like then when you get into that rut of results where it's like, geez, yeah, this I, I can't. Um, I just can't stop this right now. Listen, it's
2: it's instant uh, criticism. It's modern society with Twitter and social media. Social media and people can throw things out and say whatever. And You look at it and you say as well, like, yeah, um, what went wrong? Well, nine days before I was sacked, uh, we were second in the league. So it was just one of them mad, mad seasons where for the 18 months I was there, we never never really got near Derry, didn't touch them and then Dinty goes and beats them 4-1 on Monday and then on the Friday uh, we think we'd won five out six against Drottet and then Drotted to go and beat them so that's the way the season's been like where the Pats get an unbelievable result against Derry on Monday beating them 4-1 and then back that up four days later and they lose to Drotted, 2-1 away um, and I think it's been one of them seasons where results have been a little bit crazy and I think then again the expectation of of, of fans at most clubs are that Richie should be winning most weeks and throughout the season of beating Pats Derry and Shamrock Rovers so there's no and I know this is out cliche there's no easy games but particularly this year there's there's very few easy games so um yeah when you go on to results uh, we lost three on the bounce early in the season and we we won four we drew against Rovers away and won four and then we lost three again so listen, if you're going to be losing games in quick succession like that um you come under trouble
1: well i was saying to dan like if something had to give with all these managers because they're just there's one one league winner there's only three places in europe there's a, a lot of money going around the league there are a lot of young managers starting off but did you feel after that sligo game <clears throat> what's that feeling like I've, I've had that feeling before where you you feel like you might lose a job and you're kind of like wary and you're just waiting for the phone call or whatever but did you have that feeling it's football.
2: Mm. It's football. Like, I would have had conversations with the chairman previously and um, you've got to be pragmatic. You've to think to yourself that it's a results-based business. Um, again, there was, there was parts of it where it wasn't all doom and gloom over the 18 months I was there. Um, obviously, the European nights you had, uh, I think it was the first time in 17 years the Pats have went to the league leaders away from home and won and we beat Bows this season. So there's been moments as well where... Um, it's been very good and then there's been probably moments that were really poor um, and that's just the consistency levels that we never got to um, and again you, you probably look at the squad there's a lot of good talented young players and maybe we needed a bit more uh, experience to, to bolster the squad
1: so did you th- did you think the, f- the players were still playing for you and all that that wasn't like a- uh, Johnny
2: listen that's sort of rubbish talk where mm. the players have chucked or whatever else mm. they're professional footballers so and um, and there's always then when when there's a change of manager and something
1: new, there's a bounce like. Of course, there's a bounce. Yeah.
2: You always get that anyway. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't criticise any of the players and that. And it's just it is what it is. You didn't get results and um, you lose your job. So that's not the last one to get sacked and not the first. And i certainly won't be the last.
1: What what what's um, what was the conversation like? You said you were sacked. Like, was it very hard to listen to that? Because you, I mean, you, your CV was still very strong. It was early in the season. Long, long way to go. Who knows what would have happened.
2: Yeah, I still think we would have finished in Europe uh, anyway. I would have backed myself to do that. Um, it was a good run of games that we were we were going into. When um, I had a conversation with the chairman, and I think it was just, I think it was going to be one of them ones that if I stayed, we probably would have gotten a good result, a uh, good run of results. But then the next time we had a few little hairy ones. It'd be like, right, we're here again. So um, again, I'm, I'm quite pragmatic, and um, maybe that's what they needed was a was a little bit of a change as well. So. Um, yeah I'm not you don't go into football management looking for longevity um, and when results aren't going well it's if you can't see the rating on the wall
0: there's something wrong with you can you feel for him there because it's like he's still a young manager oh yeah 100% um, it's difficult to, and even in England it's the exact same Um yeah like we here in football you're only three bad results away from mm. from the sack and that's that's football unfortunately. And with the with Twitter and the social media thing, it, everything just builds up anyway. Um, you know, I've I've been at clubs where managers are under trouble, but it's never in the stadium sometimes as well. It's it's the outside that can create the, the attention in the media. So yeah, obviously feel for him, but I have full faith that he'll, he'll go to his next club and, and do well, you know. That's the that's the manager's stuff. I had Mark Robbins at, at Coventry and he had a couple of clubs before he went to Coventry and he's he's there like five or six years, so it's 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 a funny game. You get the right club, you get the right atmosphere, you get the right players and hopefully you build them and, and keep them and, and you can do something special then, you know. Just talking about your managers what's Vince and what what's Vincent Company been like? Oh, he's unbelievable. Like um for for some players if if you've not been been playing, you can often give out about a manager, but I've nothing bad to say about him. He's some of his tactics that I've learned about football is, is mad. Like I, I thought I knew football really when I went um, probably from, from Oxford to Burnley. I thought I knew a general bit about the game, but I look at the game so much more differently now. Even when I'm watching the telly in the Champions League game, I'm, I'm seeing things that he talks about. A lot of similarities with Pep, with um, Man City. So it's all a good learning and I came at a, probably a good time because in my career I was just going to the next club, trying to do well, trying to kick on again. And I took a bit of time, I guess, at Burnley to have six months of just learning learning uh, what he wanted, learning probably a bit more technically and stuff like that. So despite not playing really for the first while, it brought my game on a hell of a lot. Just just being on the train and pitch with him and, and getting little little bits and bobs off him, obviously the same position, so it, it helped a lot. Actually yeah, so do you, does he see a young Vincent Company you in you, and says, "This is what I would do there, or whatever." Like, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, a bit yeah. more athletic than him. Yeah, oh, no, definitely not. And <laughs> he joined in the odd time in training, and my God, he's more athletic than me. But um, <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's obviously a help anyway. Oh, massive, yeah. massive. Um, and I, lo- I really enjoyed it. Like, and Craig Bellamy's assistant there. You no, know, it's 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 a mad, it was a mad time. Even walking in in pre um with the names that were in the dressing room, it was just crazy to think where I was and who I was talking to was just the most surreal thing ever um what's Bellamy like yeah good guy character yeah yeah character yeah yeah yeah. for a good trainer really good coach and really they're all so passionate about it and like the hours they put in is nuts you know their cars are there when you arrive at a half eight in the morning and they'll still be there all night um there's no stop for them and and that's why they got 100 points really in the championship and, and got straight promoted was
1: was has Josh Cullen's kind of um, trajectory been almost in line with what he's
0: done with him as a player as a midfielder? Yeah, I guess so. Josh, Josh has been brilliant. Um, he, I think he went into Anderlecht with Vinny then, um, and not being a guaranteed starter in a way. And and but you can't you can't um, you can't stop Josh. Like Josh will just run through a brick wall for whatever he whatever he's passionate about and that's the type of character he is and it's it's no surprise really to see how well he's doing um, and obviously done fantastically well with Ireland uh, when I'm player of the year as well so he's an unbelievable player and and to be fair to Josh there's no difference between what you see on a Saturday and what you see on a Monday with Josh He'd, in training he's the exact same, mm. exact same, there's no difference, he doesn't drop off and that's the thing I like about him really, he's um, a top player
1: were you surprised then like coventry had a terrible start of the season team um i think i think you were like lost his first seven whatever, but like bad start and then the big man comes in and then things start to improve yeah well i wouldn't mean looking at coventry's results at the start of the season mm.
2: and then obviously luke goes in you start uh looking up and keeping an eye on them um and it was funny it was similar to killian phillips went on loan to shrewsbury as well in January so I'll be looking at both their results to see how they're getting on and how they're playing personally and uh, I think it tied in with obviously Luke going in but also the boy McFadsey came come back as well and that was two of the back three then the sort of um, came in and obviously done well and listen, it's it's momentum. It's uh, That league and the championship is one of them ones where if you can put a run of results together it just snowballs. It goes obviously Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, some weeks and um, if you get the momentum going you can... Turn the season round and shoot up the league pretty quickly, and just coincided that they they got into the playoffs. What were three games left of the season or two games left, and you stayed in them, and then got to the playoff final. So
1: and weren't uh, conceding goals.
2: No, that's it. Uh They weren't, and they're obviously a very good striker as well. That was getting goals. You'd end of the pitch. So um, it was just one of them things that probably in that in that period of time, um the team sort of picked itself for for the majority of the games, and that's um, it's a brilliant place to find yourself where you're. you're, you're playing you're winning games and you are just rocking to
1: the next one you go into every
2: game confident that you can go and win
1: there's a lot of things going on with you obviously you were so close to getting promoted with the team you were on loan with now you're back at a club that has gotten promoted Uh, you've three years left in your contract um so what was the feeling like after Wembley then obviously you're gutted but
0: you got to get on with it as well yeah tough Uh, yeah very tough I I lost the final with Tim as well actually I've been been harps and, and mm. that actually felt a bit harder. I don't really know why, but it did. And um the yeah, it's disappointing. It's more disappointing, really, for your teammates and probably when you're on loan. It's probably more outside of you because you're not guaranteed to be there, obviously, the following season. So I was more gutted for the lads around me and the staff and the fans, I guess, because they support us so well. um That was really gutting, and then obviously to get a winners' medal in Wembley would have been so special, but. Yeah, there's a lot of factors, but I think I think most of us on the team would look back and say what a year we had. We weren't expected to get that far, and we had some unbelievable moments. We went up to Middlesbrough in the semi-final um, of the playoff and and got a job done, and that night was unbelievable. So I've so many good memories that I can't I can't look back really with a whole lot of disappointment because it was such a, a such a special year. Really, where do you go now? <laughs> But you have three years left in your
1: contract, so it's kind of you obviously want to yeah. play, but um, yeah, apparently have, have a strong roster as well as centre backs or whatever. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, listen, you go into pre season and stranger things have happened, really. Mm. But uh, I just go in, keep myself fit, and go in and, and do as well as I can. And after that, we'll see what happens. Um, would you feel good enough to play in the Premier League? Yeah, well, I'd love that challenge. Like, I've jumped a lot of leagues before from playing with, with in the first division i've jumped all and, and, and got on well in all of them so if i could do that one that would be unbelievable but uh, no you have to just embrace any challenge you get um and but the main thing is playing i think i need a consistent year of playing that's probably what i need most at the minute what's that been
1: like first division of the league of ireland from non-league from junior from underage premier division of the league of ireland um, then oxford then coventry so like it's trajectory one ladder
0: at a time but like what was the championship like from that leg of the ladder to the next uh they're all different um in a way but i guess it's the same job you have to win your headers, your tackles and, and block shots so what's the difference in championship and a league down then it's a league one yeah like so what what's a big ba- what was what would you sum up most is like what you learned in the championship it's just a quicker tempo mm. your mistakes are, are get penalized quicker um yeah, any chance they get, they're more likely to score in, in the league higher. Um, you got to be more switched on. Everything goes up 5%, I would say. Not It's not a and hole between one thing and the other. It's just that everything is at a higher level. But it's, it's actually easier playing with better players, I think, as well. I think that's a factor. Um, you can hand the ball to midfielder and look quite good because he'll just pick a pass, and that's part of it as well. You play with good players, it makes you better all the time, I think.
1: That's a point you were making, actually, as well. Basically, that's yeah, you can the the better team you're with, the better you are, as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. Unless, like, you're the creative
2: player, um, where I think it was the boy you were saying there, the Dutch fella that went off injured, was it?
0: Yeah, Gussie, yeah. Yeah,
2: he was like, he was their spark, and like, so him now for that team would have been, you're the one that has to make things happen. So, there's a lot more pressure on him, for instance, than it would have been on Luke, not in regards to results or whatever else, but, um. Probably the players like that, the creative ones at the higher level, and um, the higher you go up there, the are the really really exceptional ones. But same as what Luke was saying there, I'd say, um, when you went to play against teams that are better, I would have had it in in Scotland. You probably had a variety of levels within the one league. Mm-hmm. Um, when they you play, like the League of th- Ireland, yeah. Yeah, when you're playing yeah. against Celtic or Rangers, it's exactly what Luke says. You're mentally exhausted as well because you know that if you make, if you switch off for one second, you, you you'll concede, and if you do make a mistake, you get punished. Whereas, with the greatest respect, if you're playing against St. Mirren or Livingston, you, you might get away with it. Mm. Um, and then, just physically, um, the big difference in the players that the higher you go up, um, the more or less the complete package like the physicality, the, the pace, the strength, the quickness of thought, and obviously technical ability as well gets better as, as they go up. So, um, yeah, but it's, as it's, 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 like Luke said, the, the better players you play with, the easier it is.
1: Do you feel, did you feel, even in the Ireland, technically, that you weren't in a bad place in terms of passing the ball?
0: Um, no, I was confident on the ball. I thought it was a good part of my game. Um, and then when I went to England, it was probably emphasised more. But I, I felt I, I was confident in, in the physical side from playing in the first division. Really, that was probably the, the most physical league in terms of having to head the ball every couple of minutes. That was where I learned probably most to try defending wise. Um, but yeah, on the ball, I was comfortable. Um, and then went to when I went to Oxford, we were a passing team at Oxford in League One, so. There wasn't too many of them in League One, but we we were one of them, so I got to I got to use that skill and drive in with the ball, and that became something that I used a lot, sort of as a weapon when I was at Oxford, yeah. How was your pace and training relative to the rest of them, in Convy and uh, Oxford, actually? If you were doing sprints, how would you get on? Funny enough, I feel like I'm getting slower as I'm moving up, because there's, <laughs> there's, quick, there's quicker players around me all the time, Um but... Yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't be the quickest, probably either, actually. But there's there's some frighteningly quick players. So, um, yeah, in the gym they're competitive and they they do some they do some heavy weights and they're just they're just they're just so good physically. That's the, probably the difference. You move up in the championship, some of them strikers are, are physically quicker and stronger than you. So you you need to be you need to be smart in that respect. You know,
1: how did you compare to the young lads that came through with Pat's like Curtis and so on?
2: I think. Listen, I think um, Luke's on a different. Um, level to Sam Sam is frightening for what he's doing at 17 years of age physically Sam is um, he's so strong <coughs> sorry he's so strong he's um, he plays like a 30 year old as a, a 16 17 year old he's, he's his decision making and everything he's, he's frightening probably Luke's the other side of it is um, athletically Luke's on a just on a different level to most kids that would have been in the League of Ireland for pace and his size like 6 foot 3 or 6 4 and he's quick he can move and he's very strong and um that's probably something you can't teach it's uh but again Sam's frightening as well like for for what he's done at the age he's done it at and to be one of Pat's main players um at that age it's, it's ridiculous
1: what's Adam Murphy like then
2: Adam like Adam again same he's uh he's brilliant as a as a young lad as well um yeah he's frightening he's very good athletically very good um and I think that uh listen Pats we should enjoy the while they're there because I don't think um, they'll be there for a long time. I think the two of them will have very good careers.
1: What would you advise Luke if you were to have a chat with him now about next season and what would be best for him?
2: Uh, Luke will know what's best for mm-hmm. him. Um, he's under contract, so he's three years at Burnley. So it's, it's ultimately up to Burnley what uh, happens with Luke. Um, and as he said, pre-season he could go in. Um, do very well and then all of a sudden you never know Coming the end of pre-season there might be a few injuries and you go right you're, you're playing and then you could play one game and you stay in the team so um, he just has to obviously relax the next few weeks enjoy his time off and then just go into pre-season and enjoy them sore muscles every every morning
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah but you're yeah, looking for some time off what's it been like for you as you said like your first break in decades really
2: yeah, I uh I obviously ruptured my Achilles the last time contract at St Johnston and I missed um nine months um when I came back to, to Ireland then and since but apart from that, uh, this is the longest break I've had from um football in twenty one years. So yeah, it's been it's been it's been good. Um I'm getting probably a bit itchy now, like I'm looking them. i s I'll start getting to go to games again. I've been to a few, um I've been up to watch Strata to play a few times and
1: gone back to Intogora.
2: No, I haven't gone uh, back. Again, just listen, it's you, when you leave a club when in them circumstances like it's yeah, leave it. You don't want to go back and looking at oh listen, what, what could have been sort of a job mm. and uh again I don't really wanna start going to games where a manager might be under a bit of pressure either. You're because, linked to the job then? No well not even that. Like I just think it's I, I've had it myself where you turn around and certain managers have season tickets of your games all of a sudden because 'cause you've lost a few games. Like I think it looks a bit desperate to be honest with you. So, um I won't be doing that either and um I'll pop into a few games and, and keep me foot by watching them on uh L O A pass anyway. So um yeah, it's, it's it's an unbelievable season. It's an unbelievable league. I think um I think Derry at the minute are probably having a little bit of a, a stumble, but they're still only seven points off top, or whatever it is, and
1: you, you do look, though, Tim, like I was watching that game the other night. Derry I know they they haven't been scoring goals. Their confidence looks a little bit shot at the moment. You have to feel for Rory Higgins because <laughs> you lost your mother in recent years. He lost his brother um, late 40s, completely out of the blue. And Alan Reynolds then leaves. I, I I don't know what he's going through mentally, and he's kind of alluded to that in recent articles.
2: It's a, it's a really... Um intense and weird job to be in football management because like Higgy could go going we actually spoke about it when we were up there I says uh, I think we played them and I says if I lose the next two I'll probably be gone and that was Friday Monday and he says you're at the winning four in a row and I says well, that's what it's like and he went and won a couple of games and it was brilliant and then I lost a few and then I was gone and it is very much um, how you are in that moment um, and obviously Rory's had a tough year and um, I think a few results like listen it's football it's football at the end of the day it's not really that important um, obviously it is for a lot of people but the grand scheme of things it's not and um, you can see that with Stephen Bradley as well but he's having to deal with his little lad and you just hope and pray that uh, you get good news there and things keep going well for him and um, and then you can worry about football and you can put into perspective the 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 results and the pressure of football when, when uh, everything's going well and everybody's healthy in your life and um, the most important thing is, though, that you look after yourself and um, and then you can, as I said there, the, the results and everything else is second nature. But again, you go and win a few games and everything's brilliant. You go and lose a few games and you think the world's against you.
1: Like, Luke's on about, you know, he's 23, he's going, looking forward to going to, on holidays, but you have four kids and uh, you've had a wife who's had to go through your inevitable mood swings, I suppose. Um, what's that like? Because, like... You have four kids, you've look after them, um, you have to look after your wife, you've look after just days they living, and then you're in a high pressure job.
2: Yeah, listen, I don't. People don't really uh, believe when I say this. I read nothing online. I don't read anything. Um, I know it's pretty bad when I start getting phone calls off brother in laws and friends and all, loggers. Everything all right? <laughs> like, I must be getting hard online. So you I'm just like, don't? I don't read anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, listen,
1: you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. That's it. But yeah, if, promoting uh, the the gym and so forth and the classes. Yeah, but listen,
2: yeah. if it's if it's I've said this to Luke and other players as well, especially the young lads. I said never believe how good you are online and never believe how part, uh, bad you are because if you score a hat trick or you go and play really well and everyone's giving you loads of credit, you'll all of a sudden if you if you lap that up, you'll lap it up when they tell them you're terrible as well. So um, just a happy medium, sit in the middle and say, right, i don't know okay, but you don't need the slaps on the back. Um, and then don't listen to the criticism when people are giving you criticism as well. Because as we said, social media is reactionary. It's there and then. It's people probably at the stadium going, oh, and they say something. And then they go home, they've got to pay their bills and whatever else or do exams and they forget about football then. So um, it is, it's, it's one of them ones where you're you're trying not to bring the, the mood and whatever else back to the house.
1: Um, but it's hard sometimes. You're among the millennials generation, so what's it like in a dress room? Like is everyone on their phone now or how does it work? Like do you try to stay off social
0: media? I know you're on Instagram, but Yeah, I I try to avoid it anyway, as much as I can, but yeah, it's it is like that a little bit. It's um yeah, you win a big game and it's there's a couple of lads in the corner on the phones, so that is a shame to see sometimes but just to check kind of reaction or whatever I suppose I don't know I don't yeah. know what they're looking at but yeah. they, they they have a quick look but, which is fair enough um, but yeah it's it's not healthy I, I think it's a bad habit to get into and, and Tim always said that to me to be fair always said never believe um, how good you are never believe how bad you are really what people are saying so I think that's good advice because I've had it in times when I was going well and I'd have a look and then you dip the next the next week so it's something I learned over time not to not to pay any attention to it, um it can leave you in good stead then, you know. The exciting thing for you is like you still the
1: ceiling hasn't necessarily been reached. Was there ever a game where you played against somebody and you're like, Jesus, I was
0: done there? Like maybe I'm not maybe I'm not capable of, of a striker of that ability. Um, no, I would always kind of put it back on myself a little bit. Like how how did I train that week? How did I it'd be on me, it would never be someone else. That's just the way I think. Um I would judge it off myself, but I've had plenty of them days, like we all have. You know, we lost four nil to Stoke during the year with Coventry, and then we got back in the saddle and we were all right again. So, happens all the time. It's part of football. You're you're gonna have probably more bad days than good. So it's how you deal with them. It's probably the main thing of of doing well. I think
1: it must be a sign of good manager as well. Like that, so you can bounce back from something like that, and he doesn't overreact. At Coventry, yeah. In general, like, because we say even when like you you lose a game, you can lose the plot, but like, no, t- t- take it easy. We're okay.
0: Yeah, it just got managed well. Um, it was at a crucial time in the season, probably eight eight or nine games for the end. Um, but we just went about things normally. Then uh, there was no hullabaloo. There was no all of a sudden big emergency meeting. We just got back in the saddle and. It was managed well at the time, actually, um, because it, a four 0 loss just came out of nowhere. Because we only lost twice since January, it was a strange, strange result. Like, um, but it was nice the way it worked out. Worked well. We had an, we had an open training session actually on the Monday after losing the Saturday, so there was fans there and that. And sometimes that can be alright because you have little kids and the, they don't care about the results as much. So yeah, it was managed well. It was managed well from from that instance. You know. Were you disappointed not to get
1: into the Ireland set up, or were you expecting? It's a bit bit early yet
0: uh i probably thought it was slightly early obviously mm. it would be a dream but um we have good center backs as well we do yeah we do um I, I i couldn't have a million complaints about it at all um but i have to just keep getting closer i guess i am getting closer every sort of every 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 year i guess and i'm, I'm moving a bit closer so hopefully one day but um do, do,
1: do the which you like in terms of like like some of the the squad themselves, some of the management team? What they liaise do you to check in that they're going to see your games around? Like, cause I I know sometimes that can be a big thing that if even if you're not being picked, that you know that they're kind of keeping an eye on you. Uh,
0: I wouldn't have it myself, mm. um, but I'm not silly. I mean, if I was if I was in the Ireland coach and I presume Stephen as coaches as well, you'd be looking at every avenue to make your team better. So I I, I have a fair idea that there be some sort of eyes on me some way. Um, you just have to keep playing well and, and injuries happen all the time so you have to be ready if, if, if you're called upon so yeah How big is Friday for Ireland now and
1: Stephen Kenny and the whole thing um, and I know it's not Stephen Kenny but at the same time you know it's, it's a big game
2: Yeah it's a huge game um, and again I think we have to look at Greece's home record in the last, last lot of years I think they've only lost once in the last maybe four or five years at home and that was the Spain, so it's it's not an easy game. Um, but again, it's one of the ones now where there's there's a feel-good factor um, about the Irish setup, and I think it, it has been, uh, obviously, a change a sort of style of play, and you can see we've got some brilliant results, and there's a few little sticky patches as well. So we're hoping that now we can have a, a good window and then um, just kick on.
1: What have you made of the progress that we made, and I suppose, blood and young players, and bringing in uh, a different style?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's good to, to get a lot of
1: young players in. And again, it's not
2: easy where when Stephen took over, there's probably a lot of the players coming to the end of um, really established careers. So when you have that change over and you lose a few of the experienced players and trying to get uh, younger ones through and obviously doing well at the 21s and Jim's done brilliantly to the 21s now in the last campaign. So um, it's getting them into the senior squad and um, obviously trying to... to get results in the same time as well it's, it's difficult but um listen I think we're getting
1: there I, I don't feel you'd struggle I'd say if you went into training I see Neil was saying he didn't feel out of place like and you must be dying for that chance anyway
0: oh yeah I'd love it it'd be unreal um, but yeah it's an exciting team full of young lads so um yeah i, I back myself to do alright anyway but yeah no Evan Ferguson
1: kind of marshal him in training give him a few kicks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you, what have you made of him actually like just I know you're not playing in the Premier League yet but um he is eighteen.
0: Well, I I, I played against him uh, with Bose actually. Um, wow! I was at Pat's in the, in the COVID season, and he started the game against Bose. And I thought, oh, like he's sixteen, I think. And you were twenty, maybe. Okay, 20, yeah. 21, maybe. And I thought, oh, I might have got an easy easier day than. Um, I forget who was up front now. Mm. Um, could have been Andre Wright, actually. Mm. and I got Evan Ferguson instead so I thought this would be this would be a bit easier and it wasn't it wasn't easy why why, why not at 16 he was just um sort of trying to pin me and stuff and I thought this is madness like he's 16 but he wasn't he wasn't a 16 year old in the body and I guess I seen then he was he was better than well even more people were touting him then so um yeah he looks he looks serious
1: the pressure isn't necessarily on him, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to phase him at all. I think Pat was saying to us here last week, Pat fenley just, just doesn't care, he just wants to play football.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, going back to parents there, obviously his dad, Barry, was um very good footballer and um, experienced, and I can remember speaking to Barry quite a lot over the years of, of you'd hear like, uh, he'd scored, like Kevin's a win 7-0 and he'd score all seven goals. He'd say he's doing very well, He goes, he's always just said he's doing okay, mm. and that's it, and, um and obviously a very sort of level headed uh young lad, and that obviously comes from from his parents as well, um keeping him grounded and he's just seemed similar to what uh Luke's progression was. Like he's he's gone into underage international setups and then into Bo's first team at Young, and he's gone to Brighton and twenty threes and then for senior team and or first team and he's just constantly improving and kicking on.
1: Um what do you make, before we finish up, what do you make of the Premier Division towards the end of the season? Are Shamrock Rovers that bit, they're just that bit ahead? I don't even think Rovers have clicked yet, mm. uh,
2: which I think is a real worry for um, the rest of the teams. Um, I thought that if, if Derry could get everyone fit and keep them fit, they could have mounted somewhat of a challenge towards um, Rovers, but um, I just think Rovers have uh, so many experienced players in there that have won the league now multiple times, and... Um, Europe's going to be a real key point but they've front-loaded the fixtures this season for the teams in Europe so I think um, that won't even be too much of an issue this year and I'd say Steven's probably looking out to get to their group stage again um, and uh, I think it'll be um, a hard bet to try and for someone to finish ahead of Rovers this year
1: What's it like your assistant taking the job and then kind of having to plough his own furrow?
2: Um listen, I brought Dinty in because he was he was brilliant. Um
1: You really rate him as a coach. Yeah,
2: he's a phenomenal coach, um very knowledgeable um organisation, his level to uh detail, like it's it's scary good. So um yeah, we done the A licence together and then when an opportunity came up that I spoke to Dinty about it and he came over and um again, like but he's living away from his, his family live in Scotland and his two girls are in Scotland as well, so it's it's like it's it's a job for him. Um, and again, I spoke to Luke about it in the car on the way up and saying that like he's he's contracted to the club and when I left, I think he asked the the club asked him where you at and he says, well, what do you want me to do? And he says, take it on an interim basis. So um, and he's done well to come in one six hours seven and then obviously a the lot competed the weekend. But um, yeah, I think I think they, they will do very well.
1: Is it weird looking at the patch results? No,
2: not really. It's mm, it's football, Johnny. I've, football, I've yeah. moved around I'd, three or four teams in Scotland and. Yeah, yeah. Similar to to here, it's a small, um, it's a small uh, league. Like, and you're looking there's so many players that go to different teams and manage different teams that it's it's just normal at this stage.
1: How open are you in terms of travel for a new job?
2: Uh, listen, I'll, I'll see if something comes up and if I get an opportunity to to jump at it. Yeah, that I'd work away at anywhere really. I'd go anywhere to to manage or to coach or whatever it is. So. Um, But I've got to sit tight and see if that does pop up
1: What about Kev Doherty I mean <laughs> 17 year old goalkeeper Of the weekend Tim Clancy apparently Who can replace Tim at drugs and I think a lot of people were thinking how this is this going to work out
0: It's an unbelievable season I, I know you've been watching Luke Yeah he does not realise <laughs> I was laughing it was the most Kev thing ever when, he, when they won and he was running on the pitch Going mad it's, <laughs> That's what he's like really Um, I the, I'm delighted for him and Think everyone else is, and so is Tim. You know, he's he's done ever so well because it was a tough year, I guess. When, when Tim left, if they had a bit of a rebuild themselves, and he done he done so well. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted for him. He wants a shot at full time
1: management as well. This is the thing; it's a small pond there, you know.
0: Yeah, I think. Listen, I
2: thought I'll be honest. When I left, um, not necessarily me leaving, but he lost the goalkeeper. He lost Jimmy Brown, Connor Kane, um, Joe Redmond, Dan O'Reilly, Killian Phillips, Mark Doyle. He lost six, seven, eight players that were really key for us having uh, a good season the year before. So I, I feared for Kev, but okay, phenomenal last year. Um, and again, this year, losing players again. And um, I think I, I don't, I genuinely don't believe that uh, he getting the credit he deserves. You uh,
1: hear of other managers going on about budgets, like well broad he is buttons he buttons.
2: Like. He is working on a budget that's three times, four times less than well three times less than majority of the league and then maybe seven times less than or f- six times less than the, the, the big hitters um so he is one that that you really have to talk about budgets and, and what he's doing and again you said there a 17 year old in goals you'd a young lad alicia right back you've an 18 year old up front you've um so many young players out of Diego playing center back so um yeah i i think the job Kev's doing is is ridiculously good and i if you vote for a manager of the year right now. It, I think it's without any shadow of a doubt, it's Kev. Uh,
1: well, listen, it's been brilliant having both of you on. I, um, I don't know, have you actually caught up uh, physically, apart from being on this show, since he left for uh, England?
2: Yeah, when, whenever Luke's home, we normally just, uh, meet up for an El coffee. Oh, or that's a nice, chat. Care. So um, we're not he, far away Trim and Enfields.
1: He over. hasn't changed much. Like, he's, he's he, was, he was like a penalty away from getting into the Premier League. and doesn't seem to have changed that much.
2: Well, backup panel he's in the Premier League now anyway so yeah he, he is well this is it yeah this no but uh, like I think that's the way Luke is he takes everything in his stride anyway so and that's why he's been so good from as you said first division to the Premier division over here to League One to the Championship and I've no doubt that if he gets a good chance to get into the, the Premier League and have a go that I think he'll be he'll be successful
1: yeah I think his dad's involvement in horses down the years has managed has learned how to cushion expectations because a lot of uh, things can go badly wrong but uh, yeah thanks for, being for coming on yeah thanks for having me um, Dan normally does the quiz but I just came up with a question there our quiz is a Rascals brewery tour last week it was won by Damien O'Brien, congratulations Damien, who correctly uh, guessed Graham Burke. This season's question, I don't even know the answer to this, but there's definitely a right answer. Who was the manager who brought Tim Clancy into the League of Ireland? And obviously you can't answer now because it's a quiz. So who was the manager who brought Tim Clancy in at the twilight of his career back into play in the League of Ireland? And uh, he then went on, obviously, from there to manage as uh, Drogheda United. Where to next, Tim? I don't know where to next home Johnny going home <laughs> going home like uh, like the end of Quantum Leap or something like that um, yeah so enjoy the game in Athens Friday thanks to uh, the lads coming in and hi to Dan as well hope you enjoy the game Dan and we shall be back uh, very very soon